people telling you how great you are all the time and telling you that you know you can do no wrong and that you're perfect and all that but you can buy into it if you want to but that's just gonna be a recipe for disaster if you don't really check yourself you may think you know steph curry the basketball player but the star of the golden state warriors has been working to build an important legacy both on and off the court through work supporting his family foundation building a company and raising his three young children in an interview with MBA students at Stanford GSB, Curry shares lessons he's gleaned from being a parent, investor, philanthropist, and pro basketball sensation. You're listening to View from the Top, the podcast. Hello. Ooh. Hello. Stephen Curry, welcome to the GSB. Thank you very much. It's nice to be here. Have you ever played in front of a house this packed? <laughs> From time to time, 82 nights a year, plus 16. <laughs> okay, okay. So before we get started, we have a few special guests. Um, Dean Levin called out Aisha, your beautiful wife, up in the front row. Yes, she is, right here. Um, also heard your, your mother will be joining us as well. She might be here right now or in five minutes. We were always late to church, too, so it's okay. <laughs> uh, <laughs> sure, She'll sure. be here eventually and walking in like, hey. <laughs> so she might come in uh, during this video and she's going to be on the screen because I'm actually going to play. a video? Cur- we got a video. It's oh, uh, my favorite Steph Curry um, interview. Okay. Yeah, let's cue it. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> Is there a sound? Cause Ball, how much do you guys play baseball? Uh, we played baseball a lot when we were in Charlotte. Um, played for about four or five years, and um, never got into pitching, but uh, played everything else, and uh, I liked it, but I was more interested in basketball at the time, so um, it was more my sport, kind of, I had more, um, I was kind of better at it, this (laughs) basketball, and I wanted to um, practice more on it, and um, try to make it to the pros if I had a chance. See that shot in action from the early <laughs> days. Um, it's, I mean, you made a pretty bold prediction up there. I'm curious, like, can you, can you tell me what I'm going to be when I grow up? Oh, man. What, you, what you're going to be? Successful, yeah. whatever that is. Just, I would say Sitting that. in this chair, you're obviously doing something right, so you don't need me to validate it. But uh, no, nah, that's crazy. My voice has changed, a lot more facial hair. <laughs> but uh, it's pretty cool. I see one Toronto Raptors jersey right here in the crowd, which is kind of crazy. I saw it when I came in, and then. Uh, Back in early 2000s, but uh, yeah, been bold prediction. Glad it came true. Yeah, I'm glad it came true too. It's been a <laughs> wonder watching you. But one of my favorite things about that video is who you went in that video, right? It's your family, um, which has been a constant thing in your life the entire time. Um, so I'm actually curious, like, what does family mean to you, and why? I mean, family is everything. Uh, as an example of from. You know, the time I can remember, uh, obviously growing up with a dad that played in the NBA, a mom who was an educator uh, who started a Montessori school. They were too busy uh, or too T.O. busy, uh, you know, individuals that were trying to raise a family and have successful careers. And the biggest thing that they taught us was that we always support each other. We always show up. Um, like they are here today, and uh, you like that one? Thank you, Jeff. <laughs> Thank you, Jeff. Um, 
and, and a part of that was just, you know, uh, it was about shared experiences and, and having each other's back and, and it gives you a sense of foundation no matter what life throws at you. Not everything's, you know, winning championships and riding on parade buses. Uh, there's obviously ups and downs to, to life that we all go through and uh, without that foundation, I don't know where I would be. Um, and even for, you know, the 11 years that I've been out here on the West Coast, you know, my family has been, you know, a, a unit, and we've we've always, you know, supported each other, and, you know, that's that's the, that's the biggest thing to to who we are as a family, and and I've tried to, you know, me and Aisha are now trying to establish that with our three kids, and um, and understanding that that work-life balance that it, it's tough at times, but it, it always gives us the sense of purpose and foundation that that we need. Sure. Um, earlier, you mentioned that your favorite job has been a father. So I'm actually curious, uh, has fatherhood taught you anything about yourself that you didn't previously know? Uh, I mean, patience and really that I don't take myself ever too seriously in my, in my, in my job. Because uh, it doesn't matter how, what, how many points I score or if we win or lose, when I come home, I'm dead. And, and that's the best thing about, about you know, life. Um, you walk in the door and, and they're running up to you, hugs and kisses, and just that energy that you got to match yeah. <laughs> every day. And so uh, it, it's it is the best job. It's the most rewarding job. It's obviously difficult, um, you know, at times. But again, everything that you're balancing. But it's uh, the, I don't ever take those moments for granted. And knowing what that experience and that interaction with my parents growing up, how that shaped and formed my life. Me and my wife have the opportunity with our village around us to do that. Three beautiful young minds that uh, hopefully can grow up into their own. So uh, it's, it's a beautiful thing for sure. Yeah, I have no doubt they're going to grow up to do amazing things. Um, you also, you said that <laughs> y'all walked into church late every night, <laughs> um, which brings me to another topic that um, I think is pretty core to who you are as a person, and it, it's religion. Um, and in a world where religion can be a hot topic button, you lean into it, right? So, you know, what does faith mean to you? And, you know, why do you choose to make that a part of your brand? I feel like, uh, well, first and foremost, it's, it's, it is who I am. Um, you, you say religion, it's, it's kind of funny. I think in terms of how I've grown up, it's about my relationship, you know, with, with God and, and what that means to me and how that evolves. Uh, or has evolved over the course of my life. Um, from the time I was in third grade, uh, when I made that decision for myself to follow Jesus, to now where I have the ability to be on a stage and a platform every single day to let that shine through me with how I, you know, conduct myself and and uh, where I shine, you know, the the, the glory um, every chance that I get. And so. Um, it's always been a part of who I am. I never knew that I'd have the opportunity to impact, you know, people with the skill and the God-given skill that I've been given, uh, you know, on the basketball court and, and the opportunities to either just write a, you know, Bible verse on my shoe and, and people be able to connect with that or, you know, find that for themselves. Um, that, that's big. And, you know, I don't, I'm not a guy that's going to bash people over the head with the Bible, but uh, you, you'll know who I am, uh, you know, by the way that I play and, and, and where that, that inspiration and that, that foundation comes from. Um, and it's, it's just, I don't ever consider it a part of my brand in, in a sense. It's just a part of me just being who I am um, and letting that live through me. That's amazing. So, so faith and family are core to your support system. Um, and I imagine it was pretty critical growing up, given that there was, so, there was constant criticism 
um, you know, major D1 colleges overlooked you. You landed a spot at Davidson College. Um, so I'm curious for, to everyone in the crowd who at some point in their life will battle rejection, right? Like what, what advice do you have? I mean, don't ever lose your confidence. It's obviously easier said than done. We all have, have dealt with that in some way, shape or form where you set a goal for yourself. And for whatever reason, um, there are roadblocks, you know, along the way. Uh, the biggest thing that I learned uh, through my recruiting process and, and ended up at Davidson where people were like, where the heck is Davidson College at? Like, <laughs> do they even have a basketball team? Why are you going there? You're the son of an NBA player. You should be going to the ACC, to this and that, and trying to tell you what your life is supposed to be like. There are no accidents in life to me. And the fact that I got rejected landed me right where I was supposed to be, and I wouldn't change that for anything. Um, and even though I didn't see it at the time, uh, I walked into that, that opportunity, and you know, kind of the rest is history with you know, the, the college journey into the NBA. Uh, it was a small liberal arts, 1,800-student uh, uh, college that was 30 minutes from my house and felt like I was still in high school. <laughs> um, and part of it was I got to be around one of the greatest coaches that is uh, in college basketball and, and Bob McKillop, who really, in a sense, uh, leaned into the person way more than the basketball player and created that connection in terms of building what a, you know, what a man is supposed to be on and off the court. And I've carried so many lessons from him through my, my journey that uh, I am forever grateful for, for what he saw in me when I didn't even see it for myself and giving me that opportunity to kind of uh, just play basketball and learn on, on a daily. And he challenged me every single day. And so uh, when I was in high school, I was like, yeah, can I play at Virginia Tech? Can I play at Duke? Can I play at North Carolina? Um, wasn't my journey, wasn't where I was supposed to be, and I, I, I was all right with that. That's amazing. Well, I'm glad you went to Davidson College. Uh, you went there. <laughs> you blew expectations out of the water. Your sophomore year, you led Davidson on that magical run through the NCAA tournament, and in that tournament, Stephen Curry became a household name, right? So I'm curious, how was that transition into the spotlight? It was weird, right? So you grew up in Charlotte, and my dad, again, has played in, in the NBA for, he played there for 10 years, but he's a 16-year NBA vet. So everywhere we went in Charlotte, he was a celebrity, and uh, it was all about him, right? So he was, you know, one of the original Hornets. We'd go to dinner, fans would be running up to him everywhere. Um, and I got to see how gracious he was with everybody um, that came up to him. You know, talking to, to, to the kids that looked up to him and, you know, spending a moment with him, understanding how valuable that interaction was. Um, and he was so consistent. Look, there's my mama right there in church. Look, mama. <laughs> Hold it up, mama. Hold it up. <laughs> there it is, see? Hold it up. I told we never made it in the sanctuary. We were always in the satellite. Um, <laughs> um, so growing up, I got to see an example of, you know, what it was like to be a true professional in the spotlight. And 
never knew that I would be at that level or that would be an experience that I would have for myself, but those lessons really got ingrained subliminally. And so, um, you know, people would talk to me every once in a while just you know, out of courtesy, but it was never anything, you know, about me first and foremost. So when I, you know, like you said, going to Davidson, playing in the tournament, uh, going to the Elite Eight, uh, again, a small mid-major school going that far, um, All-American and all that type of stuff, like it, it was pretty much overnight type of sensation and uh, my favorite thing I had back when Facebook was when I was, uh, was a sophomore in high school I mean sophomore in college came back after the Elite Eight run and had my messenger situation going on and literally I came back to over like 2,000 messages and my <laughs> my computer crashed <laughs> so like I guess what I came back to in my little dorm room at Davidson I'm like I don't even know how to handle this like what, what does that mean like going and living my daily life now um you know doing interviews doing all this other type of stuff but my foundation was set because of what I got to see and I Again, that's something I tell my dad all the time. Like, it could have gone all the way the other way if he had been a different type of person or set a different example for me and my brother and my sister in terms of you know how he handled himself, how he carried himself. But I had to find what that meant for me. So I had to find you know that that patience and that that graciousness and uh, that sense of again not taking myself too seriously in the midst of success, which. Uh, you have to make that commitment every single day because if people are telling you how great you are all the time and telling you that, you know, you can do no wrong and that you're perfect and all that. But, you know, you can buy into it if you want to. But that's just going to be a recipe for disaster um, if you don't really check yourself and uh, understand that, one, and I tried to deflect as much as possible to exactly, you know, my team because I knew that I had power because of who I got to roll with every single day on the court. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, and that was that was big for me, and that's something that's a pretty constant theme in everything that I've been able to do uh, in my career. It's amazing. So let's actually talk about that team that you uh, just mentioned. In 2009, you were drafted by the Golden State Warriors in the first round. Mm -hmm. Apparently, that was not the time to be a Warriors fan. Uh, the Wikipedia refers to it as the wilderness years. Wilderness years? <laughs> the wilderness years. So we went from, I have never heard of it, we believe to the wilderness years. So there was a period of 12 years in a row where Golden State didn't make the playoffs. Yeah. Um, and that's what they're referring to with the wilderness years. <laughs> <laughs> so lo and behold, you come in with your second bowl prediction. And so you tweeted this. I'm actually going to read your tweet. Yeah. Promise to all the Warriors fans, we will figure this thing out. If it's the last thing we do, we will figure it out. If I'm glad that's a tweet they found. <laughs> <laughs> so I found that, that tweet. Going on. No. <laughs> if this NBA thing doesn't work out, there's a lot of VC firms around here looking for somebody. Exactly. Sure? I'm trying to compete now. <laughs> true, true. We'll talk about that a little yeah. bit later. So, but back to the team. Um, what were the key cultural differences between those early Warriors and the Warriors of today? How long do you have? Uh, we I got about the next 30 minutes. No, I was playing. You got three um, minutes? Does that work? I think we were, I mean, like you said, it was a, it was a, it was a season of transition. Um, I talked about the We Believe team where they had, you know, a set identity of kind of just us or them or us against the world. And, and that was, you know, what worked for them. Um, the nature of the NBA took over. Then you kind of go through a period where 
you know, from from ownership all the way down. You talk about, you know, corporate culture and just the environment that you get to go to work in a day. It was all bad. And so that filtered through everything that we did, you know. And so from there, you know, that's what I'm walking to, into as a bright-eyed 21-year-old rookie coming from an 1800, you know, student campus to, you know, the West Coast to, to the Bay Area. Um, really just trying to play basketball and, and, and learn. Um, and I think for, for me, like, I didn't know it at the time, uh, but those first three years was an opportunity for me to kind of lead. I didn't really have a voice, but I could lead by example mm-hmm. because I knew every day that I was showing up to work and get better. And whether it was in front of people or my teammates saw or management saw or whatever, like I would try to be as consistent as possible with that. That would set me up for when we figured out who our, what our identity was and got you know a, a solid roster around that that was already in place so that people could kind of just fall in line and follow that that lead and 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 then great things would happen. So uh, it's actually you know my rookie year I played against you know LeBron for the first time and and uh, he pulled me aside after we played after the game was over. And he knew, like, he had been in the league for about six years, so he kind of had known a little bit about trying to build an identity in the league. And he told me, like, literally, all you have to worry about right now is kind of looking through a keyhole and worrying about, you know, what are you doing on a daily basis? What habits are you building um, that are going to set you up for success down the road when things line up? Because this industry is hard. This business, like, winning is hard. I learned that lesson every single night. Um, But... Are you going to keep this time productive because you're building the right habits and you're understanding exactly what type of player you want to be so that when, you know, management starts to get the you know, roster in place and the identity of, of ownership for us uh, happened that next year with, you know, Joe Lacob and Peter Goober, Peter Goober buying the team and, and really having a big perspective about what it meant to be a warrior and what it meant to represent the Bay Area uh, in the NBA, that I would be ready to lead at that point. And so, invaluable, um, obviously, uh, uh, advice from him to uh, to kind of set it up, and then, you know, f- what six years later, we're playing in the final. So, mm-hmm. pretty crazy, uh, pretty crazy journey coming from humble beginnings, you know, winning <laughs> 20 games a year to to where we ended up. Yeah, that's amazing. And you, so you mentioned LeBron earlier. You missed. You mentioned your coach from Davidson as two people who mentored you. Um, so I'm curious if you were to flip that. Who are the people that you've mentored, or how do you view mentorship um, from your your lens? That's a great question because I feel like um, I, that's a that's a, uh, a, a opportunity for me that's ever ever developing in terms of me realizing how powerful my voice is in terms of you know how this next generation you know sees me as a basketball player you know the the, the call it. I hate using this term, but they call it the the Curry generation, where kids are trying to shoot from 40 feet, you know, <laughs> right right when they right when they walk in the gym, uh, and uh, me trying to kind of level with them, like there's a process to this. You have to, you know, work our way in. We're gonna work on our mechanics, and then eventually you can get out to that to that range. But in terms of like, just how I, the joy that I try to bring, and and I think some of the the wisdom that I have through, you know, these 11 years that I've been playing that I can pass on. I'm an open book, so if, you know, people reach out and they have. Um, I love to kind of, you know, 
uh, hopefully lead them in the right direction. I've had some really great teammates and some young guys that have been, you know, through our through our uh, our team that have carried our culture to other, you know, teams around the league, and they talk about how much it meant to play, you know, during this era with 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 me and Clay and Draymond and Andre and Sean and KD and and uh, and and those type of opportunities. So now it's I'm actually taking you know a page out of Kobe's book in terms of just you know. He, through this tragedy, so many different people have kind of spoken about what he meant to them and, and just a little, like a simple text that he would send, how much confidence that gave them. And, you know, I'm, I'm an example of that too. One game we were playing the Lakers in uh, my rookie year and I did a, a little spin move situation, hit it off the glass, and they panned to him on the bench, and he mouths off to one of his teammates sitting next to him, like, yo, he's nice. <laughs> right? And so somebody sent me that clip right after, and you don't know how much confidence that gave me in that moment. Like, oh, I can, I, I'm the best player in the world now. <laughs> like, just for him saying that and almost validating, you know, my, my skill level and things like that. So those moments are, are, are just unbelievable to kind of be on the other side of it now and have an opportunity to see. You see guys you know, have similar type games. Trey Young like that, he was coming in with a whole nother level of confidence because he got to watch what I did, you know, coming up through the through the ranks. So, uh, yeah, I'm, a, I'm available, those, but those hopefully opportunities will keep coming and I can continue to, to, to give back uh, to the game uh, like other guys gave me. You should uh, lean into Trey Young. You know, I'm from the Atlanta area, so I'd, I'd I love... can't do it too much, though, because I'm trying to, <laughs> trying to stay on top, you know. Okay. <laughs> So, you know, let's go to 2011. Uh, and that year, the Warriors drafted Klay Thompson. Mm-hmm. You two earned the moniker, the Splash Bros, becoming the best duo to play the game. Wow, you're always in the spotlight looking around. Clay some, I mean, Clay sometimes will actively dodge the spotlight. So I'm curious, when you take two people have, who have such different personalities, what, how would you all build that chemistry? I think we had similar... Uh similar beginnings in in the league. Uh, Mine was a more of a kind of, like I talked about, lack of identity or dealing with the lack of identity from an organization and so much kind of transition on the roster. Uh, Really having to focus on myself is, I call it the humble beginnings of learning how, what it takes to win. For Clay, it was a position battle. Like we had a guy named Monte Ellis, well, all the Warrior fans know. And, uh, Clay was his rookie year. He was behind Monte and had to fight to try to just get minutes. And so it's all about an appreciation for just being on the floor playing in the NBA. We both come from NBA families, and uh, there's a connection point with that. But understanding how we uh, how we could compete in practice too to make each other better. Like we both love to shoot the ball. We shoot it, you know, pretty well, and we always try to one up each other. So there's a healthy competition when it comes to that too, and we're not afraid to kind of lean into it and challenge each other from time to time. But you know, to your point around difference in personalities, I think we embrace it because Clay is the ultimate teammate. He's uh, you know the most selfless guy on the t- on, on our on our team that knows you know whether he gets the shine or not, or whether people are talking about him or not. He knows how important he is to to what we do and to our winning culture and. And uh, I try to do my best job every time I have an opportunity to, to let people know, like, how important, you know, he is to what we do. Um, 
and having each other's back in that front, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a mutual respect that will never, ever go away in terms of what we've been able to accomplish together. And it's weird talking about it now because I know we still have, you know, a long runway with this thing together. So, um, yeah, he's – Clay is one of the funniest dudes you've ever met too. So it's, he's <laughs> always a great guy to be around. Uh, he shows his personality from time to time. My favorite, you know, I saw him drinking a beer during an interview, like <laughs> – He's just he's just in the moment all the time, and uh, I love uh, I love him as a teammate, and uh, blessed to have him. That's amazing. And so you talked about him being selfless, but you yourself are also selfless. Um, in 2000, after the so it was 2016, you all reached out um, to recruit KD to join your team. Um, it's not often you see someone of your caliber who's willing to share the spotlight with someone like KD, right? So I'm curious what. What motivated that humility in that moment to say, you know, it's better for him to be on the team and to share the spotlight rather than you without him? Um, I mean, it started with him being interested, one. <laughs> you got to know that. Our friend ain't just going cold knocking on Katie's door like, yo. <laughs> this is nice weather out in the bay. Like, no. But once, once you kind of get... And understanding that he wants to, you know, uh, that he can see himself in a Warriors uniform. To your to your question, like, I'd be an idiot not to, <laughs> not to, uh, you know, follow kind of you know my nature in terms of you know understanding the value of, of and, and the value of the team, but also not being afraid to be around other talented people that can push you because I, some people might think that's threatening, and kind of raining on my parade, but a lot of it was that I knew that we could together, you know, push each other to heights that I don't think either one of us imagined, and that's what we did. Every single day was, whether it was spoken about or not in practice, like, I would watch what he was doing, he watched what I was doing, and there's just a healthy, uh, just daily motivation when it comes to that, and, you know, I wasn't afraid of it. And I knew I knew there would be some change. I personally going into it, um, when you, all, you always have the strategy of like how you're going to deal with change and kind of trying to get ahead of it so that you're prepared. I thought that honestly that Draymond would have the biggest uh, or the hardest have the hardest time dealing with the uh, the amount of talent that we had on our team because we knew me, Clay, and Katie were going to get a bunch of shots. And lo and behold, three months into the season, it was it was me that had the hardest time kind of figuring it out because. Uh, of just the different roles that kind of formed and and uh, and how the game was being played that you know I had to uh, kind of reset a little bit and understand like where everybody was in the court and my leadership style and I'm being responsible for you know how everybody was playing that uh, you know it was okay for everybody to bring our our, our ego our healthy egos and being the best sell our best selves to the to the to the floor every night and uh, and that it would work. And so I think I overcomplicated it at the beginning. And, and that, was, that was something I had to kind of work through. And, and, if, and eventually through, you know, a lot of different tough conversations and figuring it out, you know, two championships and, and almost three the rest is history. So it was, a, it was an amazing journey, amazing run that, uh, you know, I'll never, that could be one of the greatest teams that it was ever assembled. Um, and I'll remember that for a long time. Yeah, it's surely my favorite team ever assembled. So thank you all for going out there and doing your thing. <laughs>
So to switch and talk about a different team, uh, we also have your former Davidson teammate, your former Davidson roommate, and the GSB's very own Brian Barr in the crowd. <laughs> so you two launched SC30 Inc. Um, and it, so it contains your brand endorsements, it contains your venture investing arm, it contains Eat, Learn, Play, mm -hmm. and it also contains unanimous media. Did, did I forget anything? It's a pretty good slate right there. It's a pretty good slate. That's it. That's good. That's it. That's amazing. So, you know, what exactly is the mission of SC30 Inc.? It's to inspire. I mean, uh, bringing everything that I, uh, I'm about and what I believe in to inspire uh, and, and enhance opportunities for the next generation. So um, I got to a point, you talked about, you know, us being friends from 2005 to, you know, meeting in 2005 to now, uh, playing at Davidson together, uh, following his, you know, professional career after he left Davidson to end up here at the GSB and then, you know, after that becoming business partners. Uh, you know, we we try to stay patient and understand that you know we were on a uh, two totally different journeys that eventually kind of came together to make sense in terms of his his uh, perspective on the opportunities that I had off the court that um, I might not have you know taken advantage of otherwise. And so when you talk about those four verticals, we're able to do so much, have the opportunity to impact so many people, um, inspire through you know, faith, through family, through obviously sports and through uh, the ability to kind of leverage what this, this game is in the doors that it's open for me. So uh, a lot of it's been a learning experience and, and a huge uh, learning curve in terms of for seven years, uh, you know, I had an agent that kind of was, was amazing for that part of my career, but I got to a point where I could take more ownership over how I showed up in every single uh, brand partnership and uh, the opportunity to uh, reach the, into Silicon Valley and, and, and network and understand you know, opportunities in, in the venture space. And um, me and my wife now with the opportunity, the Bay Area being our home for the last 11 years, when it's where we raised our kids, there's a huge need and an opportunity to impact kids in Oakland, uh, especially throughout, and throughout the Bay Area uh, through those three pillars of, of eat, learn, and play. Um, and then in the media space, um, storytelling and creating content that uh, can impact you know, the world now and for years to come, uh, trying to understand how I show up in all those different verticals in a very authentic way that I can own my voice through all of that. And, and uh, you know, I don't know, you know just the impact now, but just in terms of you know, thinking long term, what how people see me on the basketball court, there's way more, way more to it than that. And so uh, it's been an exciting journey to be a part of that. It's amazing. And so to a crowd that, you know, some people are considering starting a company with their best friend or not, do you have any advice? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I mean, you just, have to, you just have to communicate first and foremost. I think that was the, the the thing that was most advantageous for us for two years, we had so many different conversations about what it could look like and and, um, and what that partnership would look like and and how 
I think at the time, you know, the first two months was, was tough because I felt like for two years, all we had was business conversations. And we forgot the friendship part of it, which was made us who we are. And then we kind of had to uh, kind of reset and say, you know, we're doing amazing stuff, but we lost that personal, you know, part of it. And that's a, that's a constant challenge. Um, and you have to remind yourself uh, with how, you know, crazy, how many decisions you have to make on a daily basis, all the things that you're trying to manage and balance. And um, communication is everything. And so I commend Bryant for having that perspective because he's not afraid to challenge me on, on things where I'm slipping up and, and I hope I do the same vice versa. So, um, you know, that part of it is, is tough, but it's most rewarding when you get to, you know, do amazing things and, and enter uh, amazing opportunities with somebody that you know has a very similar mindset that you have, you know, sweat equity with for years and years and years, and you know what they're about. Um, there's a confidence that comes with that, too. So uh, you take the, the good with the, with the decent with it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so thinking back on a few things we've touched on, it's obvious that you don't let the excellence of an organization define your own excellence. You went to Davidson Underrated and left the household name. You went to a shaky Warriors team and turned them into a dynasty to remember. You are ruining the game by redefining excellence in everything you touch. So I want to let you know, you know, black man to black man, I appreciate everything you do. I appreciate all the positivity and joy you bring into the world. Um, it's been a pleasure chatting with you, and we're going to open up to the audience for a few questions. Thank you very much. Hi, Steph. Thanks for coming. I'm Robert. I'm first year MBA. Uh, so you just mentioned you're building this, you know, venture uh, with with your friend. So I'm just wondering, what's your, you know, overall retirement plan, and who <laughs> <laughs> who do you envision yourself to become in, you know, 20, 30 years down down the road? Thank you. Thank you. Um, I guess I'm at the point where I gotta start thinking about it a little bit. Um, <laughs> you know. Uh, in terms of like where I'm at in my career, I've always had a hard time kind of um, articulating the big picture and the strategy around what we're doing with SC30 Inc. And, and kind of what we talked about with those four verticals in the media space of uh, our foundation, Eat, Learn, Play, which I truly believe will be a game changer in the Bay Area and especially Oakland and changing kids' lives. And that's something me and my wife are... Uh, extremely motivated and, and dedicated to um, our brand partnerships and, uh, and our venture investing. So I think establishing our processes and the team that you know, I'm trying to build now that will hopefully set up success for later, just having a perspective in, around what that might look like um, you know, when the ball stops bouncing. Obviously, right now, I have to balance that perspective with continuing to be the best basketball player that I can be and keeping the main thing the main thing for, for me because that's what you know, keeps the, the car moving. But um, I have had the opportunity in this last year to really, uh, again, just adapt to the learnings of what you know we have taken on and, and be okay with saying you know we didn't get that right the first time let's let's go back to the drawing board um, let's get you know the right again the right team in place and the right process and I, I'm only as good as the people around me and so that's the 
that's the best thing that we've been able to try to figure out. And I'm really excited about where we're at right now, which continues to, or allows me to have the uh, excitement about, you know, reinvesting my time and, and, and the resources behind everything that we're doing. Um, so it's my best answer to that, because in the next three or four years, I want to win like three more championships and then <laughs> play for like eight, eight, ten more years. And then, uh, you know, I keep adding I keep adding a year for my wife because. I just like to mess with her like that. But, uh, nah, but that's, that's the perspective right now. Continue to be the best basketball player I can be for as long as I can be, but in the meantime, uh, form the best team around me uh, that will help set us up for success in the future in terms of you know, being uh, truly game changers in those four spaces. Hi, Steph. My name is Mary Grace Reeves. I'm a fourth year in the dual MD-MBA program here at Stanford. And as a golfer, I really appreciate your show, Holy Moly. And <laughs> <laughs> you're Season two is coming soon. So Looking forward to yeah. it very much. Um, you're always welcome to join us here at the Stanford Golf Course Thank well. you for that invite. <laughs> so my question for you is now, being on the West Coast, what do you continue to take from your Southern heritage, and how does that translate into your leadership style on, off the court with impact investing and with unanimous media? That's a great question. Um, I'll get my joke out the way. Like, coming from the East Coast, my mama, if I, if, if I wasn't a yes man, no man, that type of thing, just the, uh, the graciousness and the, my manners, she would hit me upside my head. So <laughs> I've always, it always catches people off guard out here on the West Coast. But uh, beyond that, I think uh, just a sense of, uh, a sense of appreciation for the, the place that I get to live in. I really like the speed of life here, the opportunities, the, the thought leaders and, and game changers that are right in this area that I have you know, access to. And um, you not being from here and kind of understanding what that's like you know, in this last 10 years has been extremely rewarding. I don't take that for granted and knowing that the, the, the people that I get to call up and just have a conversation with or uh, eventually hopefully go, to, go into business with or just even get advice from, like that's, that's, that's amazing to me, um, just the power of, of intellect out here. Um, just all you, all you guys included. So that's that's pretty pretty special to me in this area, and something that uh, gets me excited. Um, other than that, uh, yeah, so that's about it. <laughs> so I think, in terms of like again the family aspect of what 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 what, what I bring, and and that kind of permeating itself through. You talked about unanimous and the content that we create. We want to create. Uh, content that the whole family can kind of get behind and you want to make them laugh, make them cry, make them smile, all the different emotions, we bring that bond together through it. Um, that's, that's important too. Yeah, I think the last uh, student that asked you a golfing question ended up in getting the what, Howard uh, golf team sponsor. That's right, yeah, yeah, that's right. So uh, I did a screener for uh, a documentary called Emmanuel. Um, it was last spring, and a part of that was, uh, was a, a guy that came up to the front afterwards, and his, uh, he he mentioned that he was on the uh, the Howard Golf Club team, and he was trying to figure out a way to start or bring Division One golf back to 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 Howard University, obviously being HBCU, and so uh, we had a conversation, found out a way to. Uh, 
bring resources, bring some financial kind of backing and, and align all the forces to make that a reality. And, you know, what, five, six months later, uh, it happened. So it's crazy just the, the, the rooms that you're in and how those type of ideas can kind of come and then being able to execute it and make, you know, make it into a reality is pretty dope. So sponsoring the Howard, the, the, well, the return of uh, Howard's Division I golf team uh, next fall is pretty, pretty, pretty cool. It's amazing. I think we have time for one more question from the crowd, and then we'll come back here. Hi, Steph. Thank you for being here. Um, I was curious what the thought process and conversation was around you and your team's decision to not go to the White House. It personally meant a lot to me to see um, such prominent figures in the public discourse make a stand like that. And I'm curious what that what that process was like for you guys. Um. It, I was kind of talking about that earlier uh, in, in the breakout group there. It was, it's amazing the, the conversations that I've, able, I've been thrown into, and I say that in a positive way in terms of uh, how powerful your voice can be and speaking for those that can't speak for themselves and um, developing a point of view that you're okay to stand behind no matter if you're going to be praised for it or, or, or be criticized for it. And, uh, that was probably the prime example of, uh, of that happening in terms of how basketball and, and the power of sports and how it unifies people think better than any other industry in this world um, can lead to kind of standing against uh, the way that the, the, the presidential office was, was being represented um, and, and to be honest still is. So I think... Uh, it was a powerful moment for our whole team to kind of collectively come together, um, have that conversation amongst ourselves of who was comfortable going, who was not. I obviously was on the side of not going. Um, being put into a tweet by, by President Trump and, and, and dealing with that backlash of, uh, of just that act that at the end of the day, um, I just didn't agree with anything that he was saying or what he stood for or how he... Uh, you know, talked about you know inclusivity and, and just the just the hatefulness that was coming out of that office. And so from there, I said I'm not going to the White House. Uh, at, and, and our team kind of came to that collective decision. We didn't go. Instead, we went to the uh, National African American History or uh, History Museum in, in D.C. and and created our own experience that was more true and authentic to what we wanted to kind of understand and learn about and, and share with the world and, and some students from uh, from uh, where Katie's from in Maryland came out and we got to go tour the museum with them and it was an amazing experience that was way better than, than the alternative so um, <laughs> just, just to, to your point like athletes have an amazing opportunity to speak and people want to want to listen I just try to be uh, you know, one, educated on what I'm talking about, and, and two, again, okay with knowing that I'm not going to please everybody with, with what you say, um, but you got to stand for it. Yeah, so we had, we had a breakout room for you. We also had a breakout room for Aisha, who is accomplished on her own. 
We have New York Times bestselling book, The Seasoned Life. We have her own cooking show, Aisha's Homemade, and a cameo on Hannah Montana. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. That's good. So we normally end these. <laughs> I, do, I had to do my research, man. Um, so we normally end these with a lightning round, um, and I have one for you. And so what I'm going to do is give you um, a series of options. There's okay. going to be two options in each one, and okay. you tell me which one you pick. You can't, you can't think about it too long. All right. Does that work? <laughs> just, just about, I'm, I'm passing you the ball. Just shoot the three. Sounds good. <laughs> All right, so favorite acting moment, Denzel Washington in Training Day or Viola Davis in How to Get Away with Murder? Oh, Training Day. Okay. Favorite snack, Aisha's Chicken Parmesan or Sour Patch Kids? <laughs> That's fair. Favorite food. That's an unfair question, yeah. <laughs> two, two totally different categories. I mean, I'm married up and I'm going to make sure, you know, happy wife, happy life, so. I brought you, I brought you a little gift. See, I can, yeah. I, <laughs> That's my reward for answering the question right. That was, that was, a, that was a good one. <laughs> so your favorite nickname, Babyface Assassin or Splash Bro? Babyface Assassin, even though I'm trying to run away from it, obviously. <laughs> All right, so your favorite basketball role model, Steve Nash or Reggie Miller? Steve Nash. Steve Nash. Which is crazy, because he's now one of our uh, consultants for, for the team, so I get to ask my idol questions about how to run a pick and roll and he gets to answer them like right there and show me the way. So that's pretty, that, pretty crazy. That is pretty, pretty wild. Crazy. And actually, I think I read that he was saying he wish he could play in the game after you changed it. Unbelievable compliment, but I would also counter with, I play the way that I play because of what he showed me. So he's kind of dumbing, dumbing it down a little bit, what he was able to do in terms of reimagine or reinventing creativity in a way that um, inspired me to kind of own that for myself. So I appreciate his compliment. Um, but yeah, I learned it from him. Yeah, that Phoenix Sun squad he was on was That's crazy. It's crazy. Uh, last question. This is, this is a pretty tough one. There's actually three options for this one. Favorite child? Oh, Riley, Ryan. <laughs> I'm kidding, I'm kidding. We'll end on that one. <laughs> That's good. That's good. <laughs>